hello, and welcome to another episode of Florida PTA Advocates, your podcast around everything related to Florida PTA and the Florida legislature. I'm your host, Dr. Danielle Thomas, also the legislation chair of Florida PTA. In this episode, I want to update you on the most recent happenings on several bills that we've been keeping a very close eye on, several of which we've talked about in earlier episodes. I also want to give you a little bit of preview of the last couple of weeks and what to expect. It is already week seven, week seven in the Florida legislature. We only have nine weeks total, so we are definitely in the home stretch. However, this is also the time when things get uh, very busy, things happen very quickly, things tend to change very quickly, um, and we have to keep an even closer watch on um, everything that's happening, especially with bills and amendments and um, different pieces being added on to different bills. I want to start this episode by giving all of our listeners um, a brief update on two of the bills that we have spent the most amount of time um, talking about on previous episodes of the podcast. I first brought these bills to our listeners' attention on our introductory episode several weeks ago. The first bill I want to update you on is our Baker Act bill. You may remember that our Baker Act bill is being carried in the Senate by Senator Harrell and in the House by Representative Webb. This is a bill that several members of our committee have been working very hard on since the summer, um, brought many of these ideas and thoughts around this bill to Senator Harrell um, this past summer and have continued to work with Senator Harrell and her staff Um, in bringing these ideas um, forward and moving them through the process in this bill language. Representative Webb then also filed the bill in the House. Now we've seen um, the bill um, take positive moves um, in the Senate as well as in the House. The House version now is very different than the Senate version and very different from the original version. Um, as much of it was changed during its first committee stop. But we continue to have um, some key provisions um, in place and in the wording um, as we've seen it continue to move. Now, um, we will have another committee stop for uh, the Baker Act bill in the House this week. And so we are um, hopeful that we can Um, get at least um, some of the original provisions through in some capacity. So we will continue to um, keep you updated on that um, as the last of the committees are uh, meeting now in both the House and the Senate, and many things are going to be finalized um, in the next couple of weeks. Another bill that I want to update you on that we've also spoken quite a bit about and I first brought to your attention in the uh, introductory episode is the dyslexia bill. Senator Harrell has the dyslexia bill in the Senate and Representative Williams has been carrying it in the House. 
The dyslexia bill was successful in its first committee stop in the Senate, getting much positive support and feedback from the Senate Education Committee in that first committee stop and passed out unanimously from the Education Committee. In the House, unfortunately, the dyslexia bill was never heard. Its first committee stop that it was assigned to was the Pre-K through 12 uh, Innovation Subcommittee. And um, subcommittees in um, the House and Senate, um, but in particular um, in the House, subcommittees stop meeting um, after week five. Now, this is typical of the process. Um, This happens every year where subcommittees stop meeting after week five. So if there's a bill that is assigned to a subcommittee, um, you need to do everything that you can to get that bill calendared and heard um, and get a vote on it while that subcommittee is still meeting through week five. Unfortunately, um, despite many um, very tough efforts, not only by Florida PTA, but also Um, by members of Decoding Dyslexia Florida, as well as others, um, we were not able to get the dyslexia bill calendared and heard in its first committee. There was a lot of hesitation around the bill, um, in particular related to the cost of the screener that was a main portion of the bill. Um, And so that was um, seen as a deterrent. Um, And so unfortunately, we were not able to get it heard um, and the bill died. Um, The good news is that we have garnered much support um, around dyslexia. And we have already uh, heard from not only from decoding dyslexia, but also others about um, wanting to bring the bill back again next year. We've also already been approached by um, a couple of House members about wanting to carry the bill next year. Um, So we definitely brought about some really good uh, awareness. We've had some really great conversations Um, around dyslexia with um, quite a few different members. And so we are um, hopeful that we will not only um, get the bill filed again for next year, um, but that we can also really move it through um, the process and uh, get the bill heard next year um, on both sides by both um, the Senate and the House. So we look forward to continuing that work and continuing that advocacy um, around dyslexia going forward. Many of you, our listeners, probably received an email from us last week. Um, It was an information alert email that we sent out through our Constant Contact email base um, around House Bill 7079 and Senate Bill 1498. Now, both of these bills, um, these bills are now uh, quite different. Um, So I'm going to highlight the information around both of them and and point out the differences. But these bills are around assessment and accountability. So House Bill 7079 has gone through 
Um, it's multiple committee stops and is currently ready for the house floor. It has not been calendared for a full um, vote on the house floor yet. We're keeping a close eye to see um, when it will be calendared. Uh, 1498 in the Senate. Um, it has uh, is has gone through its first committee and is waiting to be heard in its second committee, but was not calendared um, for this week. So, not sure what's happening there because I don't expect um, the subcommittee on um, education appropriations in the Senate to meet next week. So, we'll see what happens there. But. Let me talk a little bit about what is in these bills and why we sent out the action alert. So House Bill 7079, when we first sent out the action alert, um, said that it was would um, reduce the number of tests that our high schoolers would take. So um, it was saying that all students would take all high schoolers would take the ACT SAT. Well, that may sound like that we're actually increasing testing. Um, however, currently right now in the state of Florida, overall statewide, 90% of our high school students are already taking the ACT SAT at some point during high school. So in part, what this bill would do is it would say, okay, everyone in high school is going to take ACT, SAT. So only that 10% that wasn't already taking it would now be taking it um, and that would be new to them or in addition. However, everyone would no longer have to take the ninth grade ELA, I'm sorry, the ninth grade English language arts exam, ninth grade ELA, and they would no longer need to take the geometry end of course exam or the geometry EOC. So that was why it is considered um, a reduction in testing. Another piece of 7079 um, specifically is related to turnaround schools. Um, now, for those of you who may not be familiar with turnaround schools, um, schools go into turnaround currently when they um, when their school grade drops to either one F or uh, two Ds, so a D two years in a row. So if either one of those happens currently, a school goes into turnaround where um, there is additional support and additional funding um, that occurs, but there's also, um, if schools stay in turnaround, um, there's all sorts of provisions about um, what that can look like, how a traditional public school could then um, become either a, a charter school or get closed completely. Um, and that all, um, all of those possibilities are open once a school has, um, remains in turnaround. Well, what this bill would do is it would, first of all, change the, what qualifies you for turnaround. So you would, um, a school would go into turnaround if they had one F, which is how it is now, or one D. Okay, so that's already one change. Um, and that could um, affect many more of our schools um, throughout the state. And in addition, 
there was an additional provision um, in this particular bill um, that also addresses those schools that we have throughout the state that have gone into turnaround. So they've had either those two Ds currently back-to-back or they had that one F and then they come out of turnaround, meaning they pull themselves up to at least a grade of C or higher. But then some of those schools have, um, we've seen a pattern where they then fall back into turnaround. And so what the goal of this particular bill, 7079, was to how to address those schools that fall in and out of turnaround. And so when uh, we sent out the alert, the way that the bill was written at the time was that if a school, if a school dropped into turnaround, so using the new language 1D or 1F, pulled themselves out of turnaround, so got a C or higher, but then fell back into turnaround, remember 1D or 1F according to the language in this bill, 7079, fall back into turnaround at any point within four years of the original turnaround grade, meaning that original D or that original F, then there would be all of these provisions around options for either completely changing out um, the administration and teachers at the school, um, turning the school into a charter school, closing the school completely. Um, There are all of these different options um, written within there. There was also um, the wording that this would all take effect upon um, the signing of the bill, which would be July 1. So that was the that was um, a lot of what was in the bill in 7079 and in 1498 um, when we sent out the informational alert last week. In committee last week, 7079 was amended. Um, it did change some of those provisions that I just talked about. So, Um, It did keep it where turnaround would now be 1D or 1F. It did keep it where there is a multiple year window. However, it did move the window from four years to three years. And it also, they also amended it so that the um, implementation of this turnaround piece would not occur until school year 23-24. Now, why is that important? Well, it's important for a couple of reasons. Um, And it's something that um, we advocated for very strongly. Um, The first reason is because, first of all, um, schools need time to be able to adjust to this big of a change. Um, We know that we have schools in um, high poverty areas. Um, that having nothing to do with their administration, with their teachers, or really even with the children themselves, it's surrounded by um, the circumstances of um, the economic um, area in which they're facing, um, these children are dealing with a tremendous amount um, and bring that with them to school through no fault of their own. 
And so when we look at making significant changes to um, what qualifies a school uh, to fall into turnaround, we really need to give our schools and our administration and teachers an opportunity to prepare for that. Especially, and here comes the second point, especially when we have just adopted new statewide standards that are going to take um, effect in the new school year. And with those new statewide standards is going to come a new assessment because FSA is aligned to the previous standards. Um, And the new best standards need to be aligned to a new test. So we will have a new assessment that will replace FSA which also means that we will have new cut scores, meaning what score will um, will qualify as a five, what score will qualify as a four, what score will qualify as a three, a two, a one, um, what qualifies as learning gains, all of those things that factor into school grades. So There were many conversations, not only by us as members of Florida PTA, um, but also many other organizations, associations, school districts around the fact that we really needed to take a really hard look at this because these were going to be major significant changes and major significant changes on top of changes that were already in motion and already, um, already happening. And this was going to be way too much for um, our schools and way too much of a change um, for our students all at once. And so we were pleased to see um, some of these changes happen to 7079. Now, we still have some concerns um, around 7079, um, but the changes that I just spoke of to 7079 have not yet happened to 1498. Um, None of those changes, none of those amendments were filed um, to be applied to 1498 when it was in its last committee. Um, We have brought those amendments as well as some additional um, amendment wording forward and um, brought it to the sponsor for consideration um, for 1498. Um, We have not yet heard back if any of that is going to be um, taken up or not, and we might not hear back. Um, It may be that those pop out as amendments or not um, when 1498 is calendared for its next stop. As I mentioned earlier, 1498 has not been calendared for its next stop. 7079 has also not been calendared for its next stop. Um, We continue to be in um, constant conversation with those who are most closely involved with both 7079 and 1498. Um, But we felt that that action alert was, um, I'm sorry, that information alert was important for us to get out there so you all had the information. I hope that you will keep that information alert um, and the information in it very close by. Once 7079 or 1498, um, 1498 have been calendared, 
if we don't see um, any significant um, changes, especially to 1498, um, we will be calling upon all of you to reach out to your legislators about our concerns. So please be on the lookout. And that brings me to um, something that I want to make sure all of our listeners and members are aware of, that our action alerts are sent out through voter voice. Now, as a Florida PTA member, you may receive our emails that we send out by a constant contact, like the information alert that we sent out to you last week, or the legislative update um, email that we sent out um, last week as well. You may also get our monthly newsletter by email. But all of those emails come from you having signed up to receive our emails and be on our email distribution list for constant contact. Our action alerts that are legislative specific come out from voter voice. This is a different type of email alert and um, email list and you need to sign up to receive those voter voice alerts separately. And this is something that you need to sign up for annually. It does not automatically roll over or keep you um, keep you registered to receive the voter voice emails. You do need to opt in to those voter voice emails each year. If you either know that you have not signed up for voter voice or you're not sure if you have signed up for voter voice, you can go to our Florida PTA website. That's floridapta.org. And in the little search box, just type in voter voice. And that will take you to the page where you can sign up for voter voice. If you've already signed up for it, it will tell you that you've already signed up for it. If you have not signed up for it, it will take you through the quick sign up process so that that way you can receive the voter voice emails and those action alerts when we send them out. So the last bill that I want to make sure is on your radar, because this is another one that we may be sending out an action alert for very soon, is House Bill 7067 and Senate Bill 1220. These are known as the um, scholarship bills, um, as we have talked about um, before, not as much on the podcast because these were not really uh, moving or had appeared yet um, on our last updated podcast. Um, but for any of, the, of you who attended LegCon, we talked a little bit about um, scholarship and the scholarship programs that we have here in the state of Florida. Now, for those of you who are not familiar, uh, the scholarship programs are um, opportunities for um, our Florida students to be able to get uh, tax dollars in order to be able to go to private schools here in the state of Florida. There are several different scholarship programs um, that parents can apply for. Um, Some are some are um, needs-based, meaning finan- based on financial need. Um, some are um, based uh, more for students with disabilities um, to give them greater access to additional services um, outside of the public schools. 
So um, scholarships are something that Florida PTA has um, worked very hard in opposing for many years, um, mostly because um, really for two main reasons. One, because um, it does take money away from our public schools and we are um, we have a strong position statement around the full funding of our public schools and all of our public school programs. And these scholarship dollars are diverted away from our public schools um, and instead sent to private schools. Um, and the second being that um, these private schools um, that are receiving these tax dollars um, do not have to teach the same standards. There's, there's no um, accountability um, as to what students are learning, how students are being treated. Um, we have heard many stories around um, the um, students who have come back to our public schools and have fallen further behind because um, these schools don't have to teach the same standards. They don't have to give the FSA. Um, a lot of uh, those key things that are part of our public schools that um, we know help us to ensure that our students are receiving a high quality education, um, those private schools do not have to adhere to. They're private schools. Um, however, we feel that uh, they should when they are receiving public tax dollars. Um, and we've also heard many stories around um, our some students who are attending these public school or these private schools um, with these public tax dollars um, not being treated fairly due to um, could be they are um, LGBTQ students or maybe they are children of LGBTQ families and parents. And so there has been discrimination um, from these schools towards our children and some of our parents. And um, so we feel that if schools are, um, private schools are getting public tax dollars, that we need to ensure that our students are getting a high quality education and there should be accountability that goes along with that. And we also want to ensure that um, our students and their families are being treated fairly. So with 7067 and 1220, um, with both of these bills, it expands the access to the scholarship programs, meaning that the um, in both cases, the um, amount of uh, money that a family can be making and still qualify to earn um, one of these scholarships is increased. Um, which means an expansion of scholarship dollars and more money being diverted from our public schools to these private schools, again, with no accountability. Um, when House Bill 7067 was presented in committee this week, um, two amendments were um, put onto the bill or were um, presented to be considered to be put on the bill. Um, both of them brought forward by Representative Carlos Guillermo Smith. Um, one was to conduct an OPAGA study um, to study um, how students are being treated and um, get some real clear numbers on um, are students suffering from discrimination at 
these private schools? And if so, what does that look like? And um, what are the numbers behind it? Um, the other uh, amendment that he proposed was to ensure that um, all schools, all private schools that receive public tax dollars through scholarship money, um, that all of those schools have um, very clearly stated guidelines um, around discrimination and how they handle um, ensuring that they're not discriminating against um, children, against families, um, and have all of those guidelines very clearly stated. Um, we supported both of those amendments. Unfortunately, both of those amendments failed and were not added to the wording of 7067. Um, so we will we are continuing to monitor, monitor that one along with 1220 um, and do expect the need, unfortunately, to have to send out um, an action alert. Um, so just keep an eye out for that. And again, if you are interested in receiving that action alert, that does come out through Voter Voice. So please make sure that you visit the Florida PTA website, floridapta.org, and search Voter Voice in the search box so you can ensure that you are signed up to receive our Voter Voice alerts. As I mentioned, listeners, it is week seven. Things are happening fast and furious. We are going to soon have um, budget updates. Um, conferencing will be starting very shortly. Um, we are fully expecting to receive the first announcement around conferencing in the next few days. Um, conferencing is when members of both the House and Senate come together and start making decisions on a budget. Um, as I mentioned in earlier episodes, we have had Budgets pass out of the House and the Senate, but those budgets look very different in a lot of different ways. And so now is the time when um, the two sides from the House and the Senate are going to start coming together and start um, making decisions on um, one budget so that we can have one budget be passed through the House and the Senate um, before Sine die, hopefully on time. Um, which would be the end of uh, week nine, March 13th, um, is scheduled to be sine die, um, which is the official end of legislative session. So um, as the budget process um, starts to happen, we will have some updates on that. Again, keeping a close eye on certain aspects of the education budget. And um, as that happens, we will bring you another update But until then, this is Florida PTA Advocates. Please be sure to make sure to follow us and subscribe so you get notifications anytime a new podcast comes out. Please be sure to keep an eye out for our email updates, sign up for Voter Voice, and follow us on our social media on Facebook and on Twitter. This is Florida PTA Advocates from Tallahassee. 